Welcome in. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Your guys, Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins, uh, coming to you as always off of some California classic heat, man. How did it feel to have a birthday basketball, Frankie? It's oh, usually man. a thing. Uh, my birthday is October 26th, so usually the NBA season starts around my birthday. It's always like kind of the natural gift for people to just say, hey, here's tickets to opening night. How did it feel to actually have uh, basketball on your birthday during the summer? It's been nice. Uh, the California classic has kind of fallen on my birthday. I think this is a third year or oh, fourth really? time. Okay. But the Kings lose every time. Oh, they lose my birthday <laughs> every year. And yeah. like, I, from someone who grew up like loving the Sacramento Kings, uh, I would just love for them to win one time, and they did. It was a great day. It was yeah. a great time. Everyone just seeing everybody, and I, I don't know how everyone knew. It was. I think Brendan might have had something to do with telling people. It was oh, that it was your birthday. Yeah, um, I don't know. That's a some, good question. I don't know how that ended up getting people, leaked. I didn't like go on Twitter and say it's my birthday. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do that. So I. It was a great time though. Keegan Murray, we thought the twenty nine point outing was a nice birthday gift. Sheesh. Last night, man. Yeah, he had something else cooking. He had something else. I mean, have you been seeing all the jokes about it though? All the uh, people are saying. I can't remember who tweeted it by saying. Keegan Murray really showed up, was Kevin Durant for two games, and then just <laughs> left without any explanation because we did not get to talk to him last night in in so the uh, in the media availability. They did not give Keegan Murray, which is fine. It was they, a decision they made. It was a decision they made. Keegan did speak after uh, the game on the third. Sure. But seeing that it was the last time that any of us are probably going to talk to him yeah. until next season after a 41-point outing, which is the most points that Keegan Murray has ever scored – um, well, maybe in a game that wasn't high school. He, he yeah. scored 37 at Iowa. That was his career high in college. Then he scored 30 for the Kings last year. Scores 41 mm. in Summer League, which I, I think people need to stop looking at it as, I, I mean, I don't know how you look at it, but it's it's not like earth-shattering. But some of these guys are either NBA second-year players or in some cases like uh, guys that are coming back because they're very – um, in between, and they're get maybe they have two, three years of experience. But shout out James Booknight. Shout out James Booknight, and he probably. I mean, he's, yeah, I told you he's on a t-shirt yeah. in the King Store. <laughs> Davion Mitchell <laughs> locking him, fame. putting him in the in the chamber. Um, I, I just think that it's something that we should look at, and and I guess we can kind of jump into it. I feel very strong with the King of Murray is is taking strides and making that next jump, and I think that's something that. Luke Laux even said, uh, Kings summer league head coach and Kings assistant coach Luke Laux said, in order for the Kings to take the next step, Keegan Murray needs to take the next step. We talked about it last week. I think that De'Aaron Fox did the same thing. In order for the Kings to really make a jump, they need Keegan to turn into that score, a guy they can go to. Harrison Barnes is not really that guy anymore. He wasn't last year. We saw him kind of take a step back, and he was more of a fourth option. Keegan needs to be a guy that probably takes the second most shots on the team, mm. or they need a guy like that, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think Demonis Sabonis is a guy you can look to as a guy that's going to get you 20 points a night. That's just not who he is. He's more of like a 13-point, mm. 15-rebound guy. Um, but was Keegan Murray's performance in the California Classic encouraging to you at all? Maybe not. Like I don't need you to sit here and say you, you think he's going to be the next Chris Middleton, but were you at least encouraged by what you saw from him? Sure. I mean, yeah. he he He's adding little things to his game that are going a long way. Like... You know, he's still playing kind of the same style that he was playing last year, but it's he's throwing in dribbles now. Like, he's putting the ball on the deck. You're seeing him take shots off of the bounce, something he rarely did last year. Bringing the ball down the floor, finding a, like finding guys in the corner, driving. He uh, he had his forty first point was was a nice little drive that he had and a weird little hook shot over the head. Just 
like little experimental things like that are the things that are having me feel so positively about the direction Keegan's going right now. I don't know, you know, come regular season time, are those little tiny advancements going to make him a 20-point-per-game score in year two? I'm not ready to, to go anywhere near that, but I think it's just positively that he's he's getting better and he's making he's diversifying the the kind of shots that he's able to make. It's not just come off the screen, don't dribble and shoot the ball, you know, as quickly as you can. There's like there's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to use wiggle because that's the term that keeps getting thrown out. That but keeps getting, that keeps yeah, being put out there a, a lot, little yeah. spice. There's a little sauce to Keegan's game now that just wasn't there before, and I think adding that in year two is a good baby step to take. And then again, like this is a guy who can continue to add to his game year after year after year. So if, if this is the improvement that we're seeing from year one to year two, I'm excited to see what happens during year two. And then what happens from year two to year three, I think it's just a a good sign for his progression right now. It's all about yeah progression progress. And I think we saw it a lot during the season two, as far as we talk about it a lot and, I don't mean to, to keep you know echoing what I said before, but every time he was challenged this season, he answered the call. Yeah, rebound more, check. Uh, be more aggressive on offense, check. And yeah. I think one of the things that we didn't really see during the regular season was him being aggressive and getting to the free throw line. That's the thing. And I think it was pointed out to me last night he averaged one free throw a game last mm-hmm. season. One point one. Last night, thirteen of fifteen from the free throw line. Yeah, because he's attacking. And in college, I think we talked about it. Um, we were talking about last night with Brendan how. In college, he was that guy who would just kind of go in the paint and try mm-hmm. to work his way to the basket. He was doing that last night. And also making him, um, making the Heat pay on the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Six of 11 from three. Um, like you said, there was a couple times last night where he literally was hitting step backs over multiple defenders. Crazy. It just didn't look like Keegan Murray. If, yeah. if I were to take my contacts out, and I'm very blind when I do that, <laughs> and I were to just look, I, I would... Be, He's seeing someone doing some crazy basketball yeah. uh, shot-making moves here, but I would not imagine that's Keegan Murray at all, especially after, after what we saw last year. But two games, California Classic, they're fun. Um, that's the last we're probably ever going to see of Keegan Murray in the Summer League. My. So he had probably one of the best NBA Summer League careers of all time. We can think about last year, MVP. Sure. Um, so that's great. He can hang out on his sure, wall of I accolades. Guess. Yeah. Um, I guess we can look more into Summer League next week when we have a couple more games. Yeah. The, the really, I was thinking about I have to write an article tomorrow about what to watch for during Summer League. I, I don't know because without Keegan Murray playing, I don't know who's going to be the top offensive yeah, threat. I think that's what to look out for is so. who's going to step up. I mean, somebody's got to step. Like Keegan is, uh, th- what, he scored just about 70? He scored exactly seven, or no, 90. Uh, wait, 80. I'm sorry, my math averaged, is terrible. Averaged, 40 and, God, my no, math I think, is terrible. I think, I think he averaged 35 points. a game. Uh, well, oh, I'm sorry. You're saying for his entire summer league well, career? No, well, for the um, for the classic, for the Cal Classic, he scored 29 points and 41 points. 70. If my math is okay, that's 70. There we go. So that is, and that to your point, that's 35 points per game. We're really good at math. So, uh, yeah, Keegan. I mean, that's and that's what they're missing. They're missing 35 points per game that they need to make up. Uh, I don't. It, it's you know the the team looks like they were relying a lot on Keegan Murray on the offensive end, like in game one. Jordan Ford had a good offensive game. Yeah. We've seen Colby Jones have two 
okay games. I think he scored 11 in, in both games or yeah. 11 and 10 in, in both games. And um, besides that, it's been Nemeas Kata barely scraping 10 and 10. And Alex O'Connell last Alex night. Alex O'Connell had 14 in, in that game on Wednesday. But someone is going to have to step up and be this – well, I shouldn't say have to. I don't want to make it sound like there's any sort of importance on these games. But, you know, the Kings are – someone else is going to step up in terms of the, the scoring load once Keegan isn't playing in in, uh, in Vegas, and I just wonder who that is. There's not really a after those two games. It doesn't really seem like anyone is prime for the for the taking of that role. A quick thought, and then we can move on to more you know pressing matters. Uh, you know, we'll have a lot more summer league stuff. I think yeah. to talk about next week. Next but, week. Yeah. Uh, quick side note was Keegan Murray also four blocks last night. That's yeah. also part of his game. I think we really need to see him expand on being a defensive guy that can guard. I think as Tobias Harris be the best the guy that can guard the best player on the floor. I don't think we want to have conversations about trading Keegan Murray for a crumble cookie like Sixers Gosh. fans are talking about Tobias Harris. That's pretty funny. Um, and then one thing I want to talk about, because you're talking about guys that need to step up, can you guess how many points Jalen Slauson has scored in Summer League? Uh, yeah, it's one. He hit it's a free one. throw. Yeah, he hit a free throw in game one, and that's it. And he's played, I believe— By the way, sorry, Keegan Murray yeah. led the team in blocks last year. I just want that to be. That's crazy. In total blocks, 42 blocks last year. We Sneak preview, we have a question of what is the team's biggest weakness after free agency, and I think I know my answer. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to sprinkle that in. Jalen Sloss, and obviously let's not tear the kid down for two California Classic games, but uh like to see him get more involved in the offense, especially um, when he's probably going to get a bump in minutes because that's – uh, a position of need there, the forward spot. Yeah, I think he's going to have to show something in Vegas if he's going to want to. I mean, I assume he's probably going to get the two way deal, but you know, if if he got it, if oh, he did. Okay, yeah. So so he's going to be on the two way deal, um, but you would like to see some sort of offensive game. I know he compared himself to that of Draymond Green um, in in that sense. You know, Draymond is by no stretch of the imagination a scorer. So except for um, game was a game. Well, five? Yeah, game five. That was that was, that was a great. We don't need to bring that. That might have been arguably you know. Worse than Game 7, in my opinion, by the way. Game 5 was... I was not fun. Let's not rip that, that one open. Um, uh, hey, do you yeah, want to talk but about... But he can do other things. Do you want to talk about the moves the Kings made this summer? Yeah, or lack thereof moves, am I right? Oh. Gosh, man. Okay. You have no idea. People... Nice to peel back the curtain, people I People are upset. No, it's just, man, like... Really? I think people have kind of come around. They've come around, but as it was happening, people were losing their... Their well, minds. People I think you're, were losing their minds. I think you're referring to the first move on the list here, which was... All of it. No, people Harrison are like, Barnes. they're running it back with everybody. That's a problem. Yeah, and that... Because I guess we I look disagree. at the list here, the, as far as running it back goes, back with the Kings. Harrison Barnes, three years, $54 million. That's an average of $18 million per year. Uh, Alex Lenz back for a $3.2 million veteran minimum. So that's not Very counting strange. against the cap. Yeah. So that's one year for Alex Lenz. And then Trey Lyles, who was making two point five million last year, gets a very large pay increase. He's now making eight million over the next two seasons. That's a two year, sixteen million dollar deal. So the Kings bring back Barnes, Lyles, Len. Um, we'll get to the new guys in a moment, but I think that's kind of where it stems from that sense of we're running it back. Because I think the Barnes move is really what set Twitter, at least to me, social media was a war zone that mm. night. I mean, I was with my family who I think my brother landed that night, who I haven't seen in a while, and I had to go off on the side and write a quick little thing about Harrison Barnes, and people were losing their minds because there were all these reports of Kyle Kuzma. I think basically what we saw here was a culmination of the Kings did go and put their feelers out. There wasn't anything there. I think if they had a chance to really bring in a guy 
that could be a difference maker at the three on the free agent market, mind you, I think they would have done it because for a moment there, according to like, I think James Ham put it out there and a couple other people that the Kings and Barnes stopped talking for a mm-hmm. little bit. Probably because the Kings were out putting their, you know, maybe because again, free agency begins as soon as the regular season's over. Mm-hmm. Agents talk, representatives talk. Um, the official date of June thirtieth doesn't really matter. That's why people rolled the, rolled in those deals one minute after the you know the free agent buzzer sounded. So um, my knee jerk reaction was I'll say a little disappointed about Barnes. I, mm. I'd imagine you felt the same. No, I thought it was a very fair number. I actually well was, now I do. Feel I that could, way. no, I mean even the second it was it was it was released that I have a tweet out that's I think that's really fair. I mean like it's Harrison Barnes is is not. I, you know, my my thoughts on Harrison are, are very well stated. I, we I, I just know. think, you know, if I could how how I imagine those negotiations going is the Kings probably wanted Harrison to sign for fourteen or fifteen million. Harrison probably wanted twenty million and eighteen million was perfectly in the middle, and that's just kind of the number they fell on. Um, you know, it's six million or five and a half million over the mid level exception. There's just, you know, like that's that's Harrison Barnes's value is he's very he's fine. He's he's okay. He's you can do a lot worse, but you can definitely do a lot better and I think that that pay structure that he ended up signing for 18 million dollars is pretty reflective of that. It's not a it's not a hey, we are committing to Harrison Barnes as our future small forward or power forward. Yeah. It's just a, you know, this is about market value. What's I would actually say after free agency, it's below market value. No, I agree. And I think my knee-jerk reaction at first was I was a little disappointed, not because of Harrison Barnes. I think the Kings bringing back Harrison Barnes was not a bad move. I think that at the time, because I did not know what was going to happen in the free agency. I, I, the market hadn't been, hadn't been established. The Kings signed Harrison Barnes to an extension before free agency yeah. actually began. Um, I think it was the night of the 29th they signed him to yeah. an extension. Um, by the way, those details, $17 million this year, $18 million the next year, and the final year that he'll be making $19 million. So it, it increases by $1 million each year. Uh. doesn't matter that much, I don't think. Um, but like, like you said, the, the MLE... This deal is going to look like nothing in two years. That $19 yeah. million is going to be – I mean, th- it grows every year, the mm-hmm. salary cap. So um, I think when you look at what the Kings did later on by signing Sasha Vizenkov, uh, you're getting two guys for $25 million or $24 sure. million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not bad because, again, you could to me, you can interchange that's those guys. That's the price guys. of one Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> that's, that is exactly what Kyle Kuzma is making. Kyle Kuzma against Sasha and Barnes, and again, I think Kyle Kuzma is probably is for sure better than both of those players. But the Kings get more flexibility. Um, On you, that, real quick, yeah. I think there was also a huge disconnect that I saw with people of of people agreeing with that statement you just made that Kuzma is a better individual player than Harrison Barnes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he would be better for the team. Like I think when you look at a guy like Harrison, like look at how many shots per game Harrison Barnes took last year. If I'm not mistaken, let me pull it up here just to make sure uh, I'm right. Harrison Barnes took the fifth most attempts, sixth most attempts of any Sacramento King last year. He only took 9.6 shot attempts per game. If you're talking about replacing Harrison Barnes for Kyle Kuzma, that's not apples apples to apples. Like Kyle Kuzma is going to take more towards – 15 to 16 shots. Yeah, maybe more. The only other person, like Sabonis took 12. That's my thing is Kuzma would come in and he wouldn't be filling the Harrison Barnes role. He would be trying to almost like pave his own way for a different role, probably trying to be the second or third most important player. And 
I don't think that that would have lent to Sacramento's success. Like, I think it would have been, yeah, Kyle Kuzma might have put up numbers, but I don't necessarily think that that would have resulted in the Kings being a, a like a head and shoulders better team. No, I agree. I think when you look at the Kings, and I had a conversation about this with some some friends the other day that we were talking about how teams that have been good before, like the Warriors when they were on their way, on their way up, the Nuggets when they were kind of going through the past couple of years. Um, aside from the Eric Gordon move, I think that for the Kings, that kind of move, and Aaron Gordon and Demonis Sabonis are not the same player, but mm-hmm. that, that was like their kind of one big swing, big move. Once you have like that core intact and like something that works, you kind of find those points that don't work around it, and you try to br- upgrade that that product that was already working. The Kings worked. They were the third best yep. team in the West. They had a a starting five that was, I think, one of the better five man groups in the league. They had the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA. Um, I think one through five, you can say that they were solid. Even yes. Harrison Barnes' numbers were solid. Yes, um, he fell short in the playoffs. He did not have a good postseason. Neither did Kevin Herter. That's a problem. That's his own conversation. Yep. Um, but after a season like the Kings just had, it would not make any sense, in my opinion, to go make a move like that. That would disrupt everything. And yeah. Kyle Kuzma, as good as he is, I don't know if he would fit as well as a guy like Harrison Barnes who knew his role. Like you said, he was a sixth option on the Kings last year. Yeah. I didn't know that. Sixth option. Yeah. That's behind, I'm guessing, Malik Monk and maybe... Kevin Herter as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he's out of, yeah so, he's so out of De'Aaron, just for reference, De'Aaron took 18.2. Sabonis took 11.9. Herter took 11.4. Monk took 10.3. Keegan took 9.8. HB took 9.6. And, and then after that, there's a massive drop-off. And Keegan's going to go up next year. I think yes, Ke- that's a great point, yeah. That's going to go up next year. Because Kuzma would have probably hampered Keegan's development, almost, like, directly. Right? Yeah. I think the Kings are making it clear by putting Keegan in the classic and showing they want him to develop and all the quotes you're hearing that they didn't draft a spot-up shooter. They didn't draft Kyle Korver at that fourth overall pick right. is the point. They need yeah. a guy that's going to be more than that. Mm-hmm. And right now he's on a rookie-scale deal. He's not $25 million. He's someone that can maybe be a 17, 18-point-per-game scorer soon as next year. I think he has that potential. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, as far as forwards go... Do you want to talk about Sasha, Trey? Who do, who do you want? Who do you? Who, um, which move did you like the most? Let's start with Trey, and okay. then we'll uh, we'll move. You know, the people I know what the, the leader people, the of people the want base. Sasha, so we'll we'll make them wait for it. The leader of the Trey base has yeah. to address yes. the, the gotta address the nation. Kings Nation, yeah, the Trey Bay Nation. I mean, uh, I'm glad to see him back. I think uh, you know he he played a really big role for the Kings last year, and I don't even think that it was even. Um, I don't even know if Mike Brown would say that he felt like he found the perfect role for Trey last year. I think it was a lot of experimenting, and Trey was just so good in, in or at least really passable at, at just about everything that they tried to put him in. I mean, they played him at backup four. They played him at backup center, and everything he looked really good in, in my opinion. And I think that there's... If he can get somewhere, I mean, I haven't looked at Trey Lyles' career, but I know he's been a journeyman. Yeah. A level of continuity and just comfort that Trey can have on top of what the skills that he has, I think could just benefit him a lot. Like, he now knows, I assume, and this is a huge assumption, that Trey is going to spend a lot of this season as the backup five knowing what that means and what that would probably mean for his body as well. I know he lost a lot of weight last year. I would guess he probably puts some of that back on to play to kind of, you know, 
deal with the physicality of center. But I think that Trey is going to have a really big season, and I think he's just going to be asked to do the things that he does really well, space the floor and rebound the ball. And, uh, you know, if he can do that at – uh, relatively high level for what his role is, I think it's it's going to be a great signing and just building on the success he had last year. Yeah, according to uh, play-by-play data from Basketball Reference, Trey Lyles last year, 60% of his minutes came at power forward. Wow. 40% came at center. So this isn't wow. really that much of a shock to me, especially when you look at in, in the Kings' greatest time of need in the playoffs, they called on Trey Lyles to play mm-hmm. backup center. And especially when you see the Alex Len move too, who I think the Kings really kind of figured out. The, the, by them bringing Alex Len back, to me, it tells me they saw what he provided down the stretch and were like, well, we probably should have made this, made him kind of integrate into the offense, or not the offense, but the lineup a little more early on because yeah. he is a guy that can go out there and get you rebounds and just be a big body and set hard screens. A guy in a pinch you could use for certain matchups. But yeah. Trey Lyles is a guy that I think is the kind of, I think you can pen him in. As the backup center, I think so. But yeah. obviously, if Sabonis gets hurt, that's where things get a little a little to blurry. say murky. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's an understatement. But it's also one of those things where it's kind of like uh, they say about backup quarterbacks, where it's like if you're if you're if you're starting quarterbacks hurt, you're kind of screwed anyway. Yeah. So if Sabonis gets hurt. Kings are probably screwed anyway. It kind of doesn't matter if they have Mason Plumlee or Trey Lyles in there. It's they're not going to be the team that they should be if Sabonis isn't playing. Yeah, like so. Fox too. Same, which, right. which is a problem the Kings ran into. But they yes. get. I mean, Davion Mitchell really struggled last year as a starter too. But mm-hmm. um, just a quick thought on Trey Lyles. Yeah, I think he's a great. I think he's a great fit for the team. He wants to be here. He was already on social media the, the minute it got announced. Saying, yeah. Let's run it back. Was got announced right as the uh, the uh, free agency began as well. Yep. Was one of the first names off the board in free agency. So it was quick. And hey, man, he's a stretch four, a stretch five. Uh, he is a good rebounder. I think um, he averaged four point one rebounds per game last year. And playing while well, he was playing six, he only played seventeen minutes per game last year. Yeah. So per thirty six, that's got to be pretty good, right? Math, more math. Per thirty six, uh, it's nine rebounds per game. So not bad. Um, yeah. He's a great rebounder. I mean, just the the level of effort that he shows on rebounds is it's promising enough for me. And yeah, his per thirty six numbers are really good: sixteen point two points, eight point seven rebounds. Um, yeah, just just a a really good player and somebody who knows his role as well. Like, isn't somebody who's going to try and ever do too much or step outside of who he is. I just think Trey Lyles is a is a really good piece, and I'm glad that they were able to retain him at a relatively fine number. Like $8 yeah. million is probably what a guy like Trey Lyles should be worth to you. And, uh, you know, good to see him finally get paid. Yeah, Trey Lyles, guy, played for winning programs, obviously yeah. Utah, Denver, San Antonio, and now with Sacramento. He's just a guy. It's a, it's a glue guy. Um, yeah. Other quick moves before we get to the big one, Sasha. Um the Kings did sign Colby Jones to a four-year second-rounder exception, which is new. It's in the CBA. Yep. It's a new deal. Uh, but he's it's a full roster spot. Slauson, like we talked about, gets a two-way spot. He'll be split in time with Stockton yep. and Sacramento, along with Keon Ellis, who's back. He has his second year. Um, you get three years as a two-way player, which is an interesting thing I'm going to write about this week, too, I think. Uh, Namias Keda is currently not signed to a deal. Yeah. So... I think that he's probably looking for a full deal. I don't know if the Kings are going to give that to him. Um, but he is currently not occupying the last two ways. So the Kings do have a two-way spot open. Yeah, They have one roster spot open that could also make it two if P.J. Dozier's deal mm. is not guaranteed. Right. Keep an eye out for that. That's Monday the 10th, July 10th. P.J. Dozier has a $2 million 
contract contract that needs to be guaranteed. Yeah. It's like not an option or anything yeah. like that. It's like different. The Kings can choose to guarantee it or not. That would open up another roster spot. Um, I haven't seen him around, so I, I no. something tells me that they probably won't pick that up. I think it gave more flexibility, and I yeah. think it's not really a position of need right now. The Kings have mm-hmm. have guards uh, because they acquired a guard. They acquired officially today will have take place uh, Chris Duarte mm-hmm. from Indiana. Um, I believe he's making four million. That'll go into the Kings' salary cap. He's a guy that I think is going to battle with Colby Jones for like those TD spot minutes. I think he's going to play backup three. Really? Yeah, I think he's going to back up Keegan. So he's the backup three. With like, his... I think he's in the rotation. Okay, so it's like him over Kessler. You think? Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. Well, Kessler's Kessler's pretty raw. Like, I think I like I like the potential of Kessler. He's also yeah. very young. Yeah. I think he's restricted next uh, summer. If he's restricted yeah. next summer, that'd be kind of nice. The Kings have a young guy. I think he's younger than Keegan, which is interesting to me. You're talking about Kessler? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm checking Kessler to see if he's a restricted free agent next summer. He is. So the Kings effectively can control his rights for years to come if they choose to, to ink mm-hmm. him into another deal next summer. But, yeah, Duarte, 26 years old, was good for Indiana as a rookie, had some injuries last year, kind of fell out of the rotation. Him and Sabonis are, are tight. Mm-hmm. They connected a lot on the Pacers. He has uh, three-point potential, obviously. Defense, I think, is is something that needs to be worked on a little bit. But um, he's a guy. Like, he's just a guy. I think yeah. he's someone that could be a backup, for, uh, backup three. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about that one, too. That's I really like it. Yeah, I think it's a low-risk, uh, high-reward, I guess I would say. I mean, the yeah. Kings, we, we just learned the details today. Two second-round picks, one in 2028 from Dallas, and then one in 2030. So, uh, really, pretty much for nothing. Just some second-round picks, uh, five and seven years in the future. I really, if you look at Chris Duarte's rookie season, I mean that that's what the Kings are banking on is that he can be a guy who can come in. Uh, I think he shot somewhere near forty percent from three. Ah, uh, he shot thirty-seven, thirty-seven percent round up uh, from three in his rookie season. That that's the kind of guy that the Kings are looking for is 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 that guy thirteen points per game in his rookie year. He's not going to average that for the Kings. He's not going to take more than six or seven shots a game, I would guess, for the Kings. But Great free throw shooter. Great free throw shooter. Somebody who I think can come in instantly and, and fit into the offense. Um, defense is definitely going to be a question, but I think he, he has potential. I like the that if the fact that he's 6'6". He's uh, somebody who gives a lot of effort, and I, I could see that translating to defense in a Mike Brown system, and that's what he's going to be asked to do. I think he, they're going to try and make him their 3 and D piece. And, uh, you know, I, I like I said, I kind of think that he's, I think he's kind of in the rotation at this moment. It feels like they have a nine or ten guy solid rotation right yeah, now. Yeah, control. Like I mentioned about Kessler, he's restricted free agent next summer. Uh, the Kings have a club option for this year. It's been exercised already by Indiana. Then they have a club option, a, a club option for twenty twenty four for Duarte. Then he's a restricted free agent when he's twenty eight. Mm. Uh, Keegan Murray will probably be in a similar situation because he'll have a rookie extension in a couple years. He'll be 23 next year. So the Kings have these guys locked in long-term. Sabonis, five years. Fox, three years. Herder, three more years. Um, So the Kings really have a lot of guys locked in. And I think you you said already, uh, the depth chart I have right now, as currently follows, Fox and Davion Mitchell at the point guard spots, Kevin Herder, Malik Monk, uh, Colby Jones, Keon Ellis at the two, Harrison Barnes, Chris Duarte, Kessler Edwards, PJ Dozier, question mark, because I think he's probably not going to be. I don't think my so. My prediction is he's probably not going to come back, but we'll see. Uh, Keegan Murray, the guy we're about to talk about in a moment, Sasha Vizenkov, Jalen Slauson at the four, even though Slauson can play five. Then you have Sabonis, Lyles, and Len. 
Last Jake guy we have Stevens. not talked about. What'd you say? Jake Stevens. Jake's they need to play they need to play him more. <laughs> Unleash him, man. Let him play. Played like ten minutes uh yesterday, got two assists, got a block, missed a shot. Yeah. He's I huge. think we'll see more of him in Vegas if I had to guess. They're gonna have to get someone has to step up. Yeah. Uh speaking of people we might see in Vegas, could be a press conference taking place in the next could couple be. days. There was a pretty notable person in the house last night at Golden Wand Center getting a lot of attention. Uh Sasha Vizenkov. Mm-hmm. In King's gear. Yeah. In a hoodie, which makes no sense to me why no one's wearing a hoodie. Yeah, he was wearing hoodie and jeans. Doesn't, yeah, I don't. Very strange. I don't understand that. Um, in the house last night, mm-hmm. sitting next to Monty McNair for a moment, Wes Wilcox, uh, talking a lot with Mike Brown. A lot. They were talking yeah. for pretty much the whole second half. Him, Jordy Fernandez, Jay Triano, pretty much the whole King's coaching staff, talking to Sasha. He got a workout with Aaron Fox, it looked like. They were in, mm-hmm. in, in some, you know, they obviously were doing something in the practice facility. Uh, he's here three years, 20 million. That should be official over the next couple days. That comes out to about 6.4 million per season. Mm-hmm. Um, according to spot rack, I believe that is accurate. Uh, 6.4. Yeah. 6.6, 6.6. One thing I did find interesting about this deal before we move on, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, when he signed a contract with the Kings was a restricted free agent at the end of his deal. Mm-hmm. At the end of, Vizenkov's contract, it says he'll be unrestricted, which I don't really understand that because I could have swore a couple of days ago it said restricted. Maybe in the new CBA there's a – I haven't read the 700-page CBA yet. Yeah. So, well, but, and that's off spot. I, who knows if that's yeah, – that could, They know their stuff. Yeah. They but, could, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, especially in the early process, they you know, that stuff might not be official. So, we who talk, knows? We talked about it a little bit last week. Now I think you can get officially. I'm sure you give him on the air, Chris Watkins. By the way, everybody has a show now officially. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> ten to two, almost a two to six. Ten to two. Ten to two. Second sports eleven forty. Yes. Whitey and Watkins. I'm sure you've talked about it a lot already. But what is your official stance on Sasha Vizenkov? Are you excited? Do you not care? Are you neutral? Are you upset? I'm ex- I'm very excited. I mean, I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. I think he's going to be a massive part of what the Kings hope will be an improved team this year. Like, I think uh, Keegan and Sasha are probably the two most important players in terms of the Kings getting better this year. The, I think those are the two that they're really banking on to take them to whatever the next level is. Um, I, I think he's going to be instant offense for sure. I mean, it doesn't take much imagination to see how he's going to fit into their style of play and into their offensive schemes and systems. He's a movement uh, guy who loves to move off the ball, can shoot shoot the ball with the best of them already. Uh, it's a strange-looking jump shot, but he knocks it down most of the time. It, it's going to be the defense that's the concern, but that's really the story of the Kings. So I, I think there's going to be a couple nights where – Sasha Vizenkov, not a. I think there's going to be a lot of nights where Sasha Vizenkov is one of the end. You know, in the end starting or not starting lineup. Closing the lineups. end closing lineup is yeah. the word that I'm looking for. Thank you. Uh, in the closing lineups, and I think there's going to be four or five games where Sasha's. It's going to be like, wow, I think that was the Sasha game where Sasha yeah. has 20 points and is like a major contributor to success. I, I think he's going to be really big for the team. Man, I'm thinking about lineups of it's how fun it could be too with Fox, maybe Malik Monk, yeah. Keegan Murray if he if he's on, obviously. Then you have Sasha and Sabonis. That could be a fun closing lineup right yeah. there. There's a lot of interchangeable things that could be fun with that too. Like yep. um, Kevin Herter in the lineup like that too. Just a lot of shooting. Um, maybe they go a little smaller and, and go Fox, Monk, Herter, Murray. Um, now you can't play Sasha at the five, but 
you get what I'm saying. The point yes. is they have shooters. They have a lot, versatility, a lot of shooters. And I think that kind of gives that flexibility, like you said. If the Kings are having a night where HB disappears and you need to have something change down the stretch. HB disappearing? That would never what? happen. What? That would never happen. No way, dude. Then you have Sasha go play those minutes. About? So um, it's exciting to see him. It was cool kind of see him in person. And I think you got that kind of grasp of, wow, this is real. Like, yeah. He's really here. And Yeah, it's about time. I'm tired of hearing. I think you and I last week were talking about we're just tired of the what-ifs and Yes. Are they going very to do much. it? Uh, it's over. He's here. It I, is over. I, I think all the big moves are pretty much done for the Kings. I might have yeah. a couple of fringe moves. Um, my question I have as we get down to the end of it here, did the Kings get better this offseason? I'll just answer my own question before I go to you, Chris, and say, I do. I think they're better. Um, they're deeper, like you said, the, the interchangeability of the of the forwards. They have Now they have guys every position except the, the point guard spot, which – We'll get to weaknesses yeah. in a moment, but um, I think they got better. Like we talked about, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Kings really worked uh, from an offensive standpoint. They got stronger. Defensive standpoint, I think they stayed about the same. I don't think they got weaker, which is not really a good thing, but um, they upgraded their offense by gaining more weapons. You keep Trey Lyles. You add Sasha Vizenkov, who is the most hyped European prospect since probably Luka. Not that he's going to be Luka, but he's probably the most hyped since Luka. Um and then you bring in a couple guys like Duarte who who can be a wild card. You keep Kessler Edwards who is raw, but maybe you can try to get him and develop in a defensive guy. Um, Colby Jones has potential. I think there's a lot of good guys on this team now, and you know, not many roster spots to work with. But I'd say they did not get worse. No, yeah, I, I definitely don't think they got worse. I think they got deeper, and you know, that's I think that's you know they definitely didn't add, you know they didn't add, bring in the Kyle Kuzma, the Jeremy Grant. They didn't make their top end better, but um, the example or the the phrase that I keep saying is they might have not raised their ceiling, but they absolutely raised their floor. And to me, that that's just as beneficial uh, for this kind of team because I think they they laid a foundation last year, and I think people were ready to build on that foundation. And uh, you know, the Kings instead. Decided Decided to reinforce that foundation and make sure that that it's something that is sturdy and good enough to last and won't just be torn down in one year after I feel like people were so quick. I mean, they didn't forget, but you know, it's almost like they're not coming off of 16 straight losing seasons. These things, you can't just flip a switch. I know the Kings got good by flipping a switch like that, or at least it felt that way, but you don't go from terrible to good to championship team year after year. Like, you got to make incremental steps. And I think Monty McNair did a great job of just making sure that the floor doesn't fall out from under this team. Like, they were a Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes injury away from really being screwed. And I think they did a good job this offseason of bringing in guys like Chris Duarte, like Sasha Vizankov, like, you know, Colby Jones and Jalen Slauson as well. Like, even those guys add some level of depth and add uh, just toolsy guys that the Kings didn't really have at their disposal last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the depth chart again. They they have guys, and I think we we get to the next question, which is what's their biggest weakness. The only concerns I have right now are if De'Aaron Fox goes down, can Davion Mitchell be a starting caliber point guard? I mean, he's done it before. Can he do it again? Yeah, I think he he's he's a better option. than probably what out in the what's out in the market right now. Uh, but he he needs to step up and provide more on the offensive end for sure. Um, and then you said Keegan Murray led the team in blocks last year, and they they just they probably need to bring in a center that has the ability to block shots. 
Uh, Mason Plumley was a guy that is not really a shot blocker, but he's a really big body that can do a lot of different things. He took a deal for $5 million with the Clippers, which is exactly the amount of money the Kings had to offer as well. I'm not sure if they gave him an offer or not. I think that's more of just like he was like if you're going to back up Sabonis, you're only going to play 10 to yeah. 15 minutes, maybe 20 in a given night. I think in L.A. he can realistically truly be like a split starter with Zubac. Is JaVale McGee out there? I hope not. I don't want. I don't like JaVale McGee. I don't really either. <laughs> I'm just thinking of guys that are long and can block shots. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with Nami Keita is it's a tryout. I think the next week in Las Vegas, the Kings have a restricted uh, – they have offered him a qualifying offer. So if he plays very well – Maybe they match offers from him, if anybody else even offers him. But they need a guy that is like Nemeus Keita in Stockton, who I think was second or third in blocks last year, all defensive first team in the G League. They need a guy like that. Um, so that's what I have here. What is the roster's biggest weakness? I think it's defense, shot blocking. Um, I think it's mostly just protecting the paint. Yeah, They still can't protect the paint. They yeah, can't battle sure. the Kavon Loonies. They can't um, protect the rim. So most is not a rim protector, even though he's not an awful defender, I think, is what some people kind of paint him to be. I don't think he is the kind of guy the Kings can, I don't want to say win a playoff series with playing him a majority of the time. He needs help. And I just don't know if Keegan Murray can evolve into being that four-block guy last night. If he can, mm-hmm. great. But they need someone to come out and, and be an enforcer in the paint. I think that's why the, the Draymond Green uh, noise was so loud. If the Kings have a guy like Draymond Green to play next to Sabonis, they'd be really good. Um, and that would be alleviated a little bit, but I still think they're very weak on defense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't have anything to add. I agree with you. You knocked it out. Anyways, uh, the closing topic of discussion, the Kings had a big drop this week. They have new uniforms. New new jerseys. jerseys. I think we talked about it a lot at the arena, but for the people, which one do you like the best? There is the black, I think it's a black icon jersey, White Association, purple. Don't ask me. Don't know. I was like, just don't. I, tried ask. My I was best. like, I, you're gonna go ahead, and I'm not gonna argue with you at all because don't I, know what they're called. I just call them the white, the black, and the other I ones. My best. Yeah, no, I they, they try and throw yeah statement well, the, association what icon. What's earned? I didn't know what that was. Guy. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> I didn't even know there was an earned jersey. What does that mean? No clue. Not a single clue. Mm. I. I am a boomer when it comes to jerseys. I'm just like, I remember when the home team would wear white and the other team would wear colored jerseys, and that's how you would be able to tell who's home and who's away. And that's still how I'm programmed. I'm not for all this hippity-hoppity, let's have four jerseys, and it's just I'm the oldest man in America, I swear. Yeah, you made the floors, too, and the Kings are like in four floors. You don't like that either, do you? Yeah, I mean, most of them were bad. They were just bad floors. They were really bad. Yeah, Uh, this is the one thing I will say about these jerseys that they've released, and I don't love the white ones, but none of them are terrible, which is... Which is honestly a real compliment when it comes to, especially in the era, again, of there's new jerseys every single year and you're bound to have some misses. Uh, They're not terrible. The white ones I don't love because the black font, I don't like the lettering. It needs to be purple. It shouldn't be black. Um, The black ones are fine. They look like the jerseys of last year, just with better font. The 2012, like 13 ones we're talking about. Yeah. uh, Like the Isaiah Boogie era with the Curse of Kings. It's kind of like that. Yeah. A better version of that. A better version of that. Um, And then, honestly, my favorite ones are probably the Gradient ones, the ones that they just released. Um, I think they look good in person. It's a cool design. It's not really something I think 
I've seen before, at least not for the Kings. I think the Miami Heat my did have a version of a gradient jersey. It's like the – well, it's like the um, – it's Miami the teal Vi- and the pink. It was like the yeah. second Miami Vice. Yeah. It was like not the solid blue ones with yeah. the pink outline. It was the pink and the blue like meeting. Teal, like, yeah. 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 Teal. Yeah. yeah. It was um Yeah, it's a good jersey. It's not my favorite. I don't the like checker. the lettering on it. Like check, check I'm out on the checker. I, I think it's checker. so stupid. Is it like a whole like the king is it like the chest? Is it like a chest thing? Why what is that whole That's thing? A, of- I I hope so because that actually makes sense. I actually never gave it that much thought. That actually makes a lot of sense. If it's not that, then I think it's really dumb. Because they did with the Mitch Richmond jerseys, like yeah, I hate those. I that's I like what those. they're playing off of though. Yeah. It's like yeah. old meet past meets present. Yeah. I like them though. I like all. The, I think that they are. It's a good jersey haul. I yeah, think we can fine. say yeah. it's a good jersey haul. Yeah. And I never realized. I thought about it too. It had been seven years since the Kings had New Jersey's, which I think that's like a long, like the that longest. It was a really long time because they had the OG, like the the heydays. O two, the one o one o two. That was last year. They went to like the purple Sacramento cross for like four years, and then they went to where it's at Sacramento at home. It's like been a five year like time yeah. span. They had the old Kings logo over the with boogie. Yep. I don't know, but it's been seven years since they opened Golden One. They just went from Adidas to Nike. That's interesting. Um, it's a long time. Yeah, it to is. Have one jersey. I don't think mm-hmm. the Lakers even did that. They've been changing their jerseys a lot too. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Warriors have two. They're fine. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't have any issue with the jersey. If I don't think I would buy any of them, I like them more than the. Uh, I mean, the the gray silver jerseys that they released last year took me a while to come around on them. I think they're okay, but I think these jerseys, like you said, this is a good crop of jerseys. And at the end of the day, I don't have anything really terribly negative to say about him. I so I think that's a win. I can't like, really, I mean, I can't pull off a basketball jersey wearing it. I, I think we talked about it. Um, the Kings announced their summer league roster for Vegas before we go. Any changes on here? Just no Keegan Murray, I'd imagine. No Keegan Murray. No. Everything. Keon Ellis, Kessler Edwards is going to play. Nemeas um, Keda is on the roster. There is like some questioning. I mean, I don't want to get too big deep into the MSK thing, but like he has to be on we some. Talk ty- about it next week. We'll, well talk he, about he it. He has to be on week. some type of contract. Apparently, to play in summer league, I just don't know. They never announced anything or nothing's out there about him being on a summer league contract or a. But I, I heard he has to be on some type of contract to be playing in summer league. So, anywho, um, do you have any hopes? For, do you have hope? Do you want a banner? Do you want a third summer league banner? No, I really don't. Especially with Keegan not playing, I really um, You're a hater. I don't care about the results of these. You games might be though. going out there, man. You should care. I might, but um, I just don't like. Especially there. I mean, the Kings don't have any high draft picks that that they're playing. You know, I guess Jordan Ford's kind of the only at this. I, you know, I don't really view. I've kind of given up. We can talk about Namias next week. I've given up on the development, really, of Namias. I think um, I, there's just not really much to watch from this summer league team that I'm, I'm going to watch, but there's not really any exciting, sexy takeaways to, to like watch for on a yeah. game-to-game basis. As fun as the past couple of games were, the next couple could be very agonizing yes. if someone doesn't step up and make yes. a huge, like, someone. We need to go, oh, my God, Colby Jones. We need someone to really step up and just be that that guy. Who's yes. going to be... That guy. Uh, last thing also, the Rashawn Holmes trade is official. He's officially a Dallas Maverick. Goodbye, Rashawn. Uh, your good pal, Olivier Maxens Prosper, also. Uh, hopefully that image of him wearing a Kings hat will not come back to bite the Sacramento Kings. Definitely will. He's now a Maverick. Yep. So, him and Jordan um, Walsh. Nothing else really. I mean, if anything else big happens, obviously we'll let you guys know. But uh, the, I think the Kings are pretty much done. I think so. Yeah, I think so. The offseason has finally came to a conclusion. And, 
Yeah, I mean, after summer league, we're we're back into the uh, the sad times where we have no basketball to talk about pretty much until uh, till the end of September. So, not looking forward to that. That means a lot of basketball reference roulette. Yep, can't wait, can't wait. Uh, you got anything else? You good? Uh, no, I cool. don't think I have anything else. It's been uh, it's been fun. I mean, it's nice to have basketball to talk about, though. It's nice to it's watch. Great, it. I will. You, it's fantastic. I will say that. As painful as the next week could be if no one steps up, and I shouldn't really think like that, but King of Murray was basically, you know, a summer league god. Um, I will be sad when it's over. We will not have any basketball to watch. As much as I love baseball, it's been a nice uh, distraction. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully something else happens, though. Hopefully we get some other big, oh, the Kings are, they did something we didn't expect. Maybe I'm can. looking for Darius Baisley. That's what I think they're going to Is he free agent? Be. He is. Still a free agent. Can, yeah. Go get a defensive wing. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't. Go get a defensive wing. What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I, that's the guy that I'm looking at. But who knows? Who knows? The Kings could do nothing. They have a roster spot. They have uh, one more two way spot. Two-way. One more two way spot. So uh, you know, they could be Jordan Ford. Could be uh, could be a guy like Darius Baisley. Uh, we will wait and find out. I'm on board uh, with Jordan Ford. For League. Being a third string point guard, I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm on board with Ford. Start yes. it. Next week, uh, we will probably talk uh, more in depth about. King Summer League, uh, probably go in more on Namias Keda and, and just have kind of fully flush out that conversation and uh, talk about his situation and everything that we feel about him. Um, who knows? Something else might happen yeah. in between now and then. Damian but, uh, Lillard needs to stop. Week. He needs to stop the Miami thing. I'm tired of saying it. No comment. No comment. Chris, I want to go, Chris, I I go to Hawaii. Thing. If I keep telling like my girlfriend I want to <laughs> yeah. go to Hawaii, do you think she'll buy me Maybe. a trip to Hawaii? Just say I only want to go to Hawaii also. Say, I'm like, going to don't, Hawaii. Don't, I don't want to go anywhere else. It's just Hawaii. Yeah, I'm going to Hawaii. There make, we go. Make it happen. Make it happen. Uh, I don't care. For uh, myself, Chris Watkins, this is the Flying Hawaiian, Frankie Cardicelli. Hey. Uh, check us out next week for uh, yeah that episode where we will be breaking down the Kings' Las Vegas Summer League. Can't wait for that. Vegas, baby. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Peace.